Hey Squirtles and Slimes, this is Justin from the Colorado Crush here to do episode number one of the 2020 New York Fantasy Baseball League Three Guys One Couch podcast. I'm here with two other guys on the same couch, virtual couch this time as we're all quarantining because of COVID. We got Lewis from the MLB MVPs, we got Frank from the Brooklyn Brawlers, two original members of NYFBL. Guys, I may not back. remember it though. But we're here. We're we're trying to uh, we're trying to export uh, some some draft results. Trying to open up some some CSVs in uh, in Excel instead of numbers. Cause fuck numbers. It's been it's been way too long. This uh, we feel antiquated on this thing. So let's take everyone back to March, when we all had done our original prep. And now it comes time to draft, and we have to put it on pause. How are you guys feeling at that time? Because we haven't had a podcast in probably about nine months since last year's playoffs. I was pissed. I was so excited. I was gearing up. I went and bought a bunch of beers. I bought a bunch of snacks. I was all ready. And then I wasn't taking coronavirus seriously. So I was like, these bitches are afraid of a little cold. Looking back, yeah, it was a little more than a little cold, you know. But uh, yeah, I was kind of sad. I mean, it, it was it was pretty unprecedented. But we, I think we all had some uh, some intense blue balls. But yeah, you as the host of our of our live draft, I think you had it had it the worst. You know, you you, you brought all that in all the beers. You're still you're still finishing those blue points from from March. We were preparing for for a lot of nights. We had some pretty good uh, snake mucks. I was actually prepared for someone, and I don't know who it was. Maybe we can put bets on who it would be, but someone to show up to Lewis's house on the draft and not know it was canceled. I would say Jeff, probably. I, I was thinking Jeff. I was thinking maybe Ben, because he might not check the slack. Galembo, just because he wanted to come hang out. Was, was Jeff a father at that point? No. Huh? No. I don't, I don't know how old It was on the way. Well, okay, we should we should clarify he was a father in the league. Cuz he won. Okay. He's won the uh, league before. So okay. everyone who's a winner of the league in the past is a father. The, the true definition of father when right. you look it up in in Merriam-Webster. Exactly. Um so so, now, if, so if I win this season, no, you're not no a father. father. No. Definitely not. All right. There are no like father fatherhood will not be given out this season. I'm a poppy. Forever a poppy. <laughs> you can you can be a poppy. Yeah. You, you can finally be the second poppy <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> Mike's fist pumping. <laughs> it's uh, fast forward now a couple months. We finally have baseball back, right? We're recording this podcast on a Tuesday night, and it's two nights till opening day. And I'm pumped. But there was a lot that had to happen before we got to this point, including us having a fantasy draft and having our first auction draft. So I guess overall takeaways from the auction, what'd you guys think? What a shit I got my first gray hairs from it. <laughs> what a shit show. First off, I didn't realize how annoying some of our fellow league mates were going to be. Nick Murano. <laughs> and also, I mean, I know I was, I was talking to Justin a little bit after the draft ended and I was like, you know, this is the first year where I've really had to deal with people just, like, coming after me. Because in the past, like, I've won, but I feel like I had a pretty bad, you know, dry spell there for a while. Where Justin was dominating most years. And when he wasn't winning, 
He was coming in second. He was still making playoffs. So there was kind of like a fuck Justin movement that most of the league was, you know, every year we'd be drafting and everyone's just trying to shark Justin's players. Yep. In a snake draft, it's one thing, you know, and I, I was telling him, I don't know how you dealt with this so long, but I feel like any time I throw out a player or I was bidding on someone, everyone got the lube out and started cranking away and just fucking hitting the plus one button and I couldn't get any of my guys. I was kind well, of upset. There were definitely at least two people who were who were just sitting there clicking the, the bid button. <laughs> Every time they heard that somebody was nominated, I think they just started clicking and they said, "All right, it's been like thirty seconds. I'll probably just ease off now and yeah. see where we're at." I know. So, were there any? It, it... Oh, go on. I will. So, how about Rich Hill, guys? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm shocked you didn't get it. Yeah, it looks like this is Rich Hill's year. I mean, based on the preseason news. Yeah, all right. He's still really old, and he's no longer a Dodger, so it's fine. But no, like th- that's the perfect example. So he's like, going to win this side. Rich Hill has forever been associated with a winning franchise, and by that I mean the Colorado Crush, not the Los Angeles Dodgers, where his stock has been so hyped up. To the point where he's overvalued now, right? Everyone wanted to get a piece of Rich Hill just so I wasn't able to get him. And I feel like it was the same thing with like Nelson Cruz, who's also oh, actually, it looks like Eric just tried to snake all my players. Was his strategy? Uh, I mean, at least Eric knew who he was bidding on, because I didn't get Tommy Edmond because Galembo said, oh, "Who is this? <laughs> Lewis Watson? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get him." And that was definitely a result of that. For sure. It was, it was interesting to see three hours in you not have a single pitcher. So that was a, that was an unexpected turn of events. So um, I was planning on going hitting heavy, like in a snake draft. Not at the expense that it, it came out in this auction, but um, that was just kind of like a, a learning experience in the auction. I didn't realize that like just because you're getting somebody for a good value doesn't mean you should just get all of them, you know? Like, whereas I was getting guys for less than I had them projected for dollar amounts, I got too many of them, and then I was broke. I was like, shit, I can't afford any pitchers. Right. It was, it was, it was very, it was, it was a mix, obviously it was very stressful, which we said. Uh, it was, it had its fun moments, of course, too. I, I thought it was, fun, like, fun to prepare for, too, just because, like, I mean, I, I feel like we all always make spreadsheets and stuff before the snake draft and stuff, but this was like a time where it was like, oh, it's actually good that I know how to use Microsoft Excel and like can actually like put some no 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 crazy formulas or anything, but just like actually adding stuff up and like putting in like oh like I I got this guy so let me log him in the spreadsheet because it was definitely easier to look at that than keep track of what the hell Grant Fantrax was doing, especially with all the the positions and everything. But um, like the way I had it for the for the draft was I had actual like set values for every tier of of what i wanted and i had hitting and pitching separated and and basically said all right i'll pay max this amount for the first hitter i get which will probably be an outfielder and then pitching a little easier to to think about where it's just i know my sp1 i'm willing to pay this much so i ended up getting yellage for exactly what i planned for which was uh i think 55 54 and then for Bieber, I got him for five bucks less than what I planned for. So in that case, I had more money to play around with, and that 
affected my thinking for the rest of the draft. So in that way, it was fun. I mean, there was still so much unpredictability going on, and it was always kind of fun to see, oh, it's this person's time to get nominated because, you know, you get your mix of, like, some elite player getting nominated and then somebody that felt like they were coming out of left field, no pun intended. But, uh, like, that that part um, I thought was, was a fun element of doing something different because I was really scared about doing auction. Maybe that's where I screwed up then, because I'm not really good with Excel, so I made this really long PowerPoint slideshow, and I was just <laughs> waiting. <laughs> in Microsoft Word, you <laughs> just typed up an essay. So what was your sort of nomination strategy coming in? So who was the first person that each of you nominated? I forget which uh, picks you had. So I actually didn't end up following my nomination strategy for no reason at all. I probably should have, because I had spent a lot of time thinking about it and I was thinking like this I was saying what most people are going to do and what's probably a good idea is early on you throw out guys who other people want but you don't really want so like a good example this year for me I thought was like a guy like Ronald Acuna or a guy like Mike Trout who I didn't really want those like super crazy expensive outfielder I thought they were going to be the most expensive um, so I figured I'd throw them out you know and I could do that but then I was thinking, maybe the better strategy is early on people are going to be scared to spend money. So maybe I'll throw out a guy who I want, but who other people aren't sure about. And I was thinking a guy like Blake Snell, because maybe I'll be get, I'll be able to get him for like $19, something like that, which obviously didn't happen. And I, I'm sure if I followed that strategy, it still wouldn't have worked, just based on, I, I think I was just underestimating how much money people were going to drop on pitching. But um, You nominated Snell? No, I think the first person I nominated was Jose Ramirez because I was just like, I like Jose Ramirez and maybe I can get him. Mm-hmm. And then Eric just ended up bidding up a bunch and I, I backed off of him. So Jose Ramirez went for $44. Um, and at least based on my calculation, right, everything is relative. So there was a lot of inflation earlier in the draft. I do feel like that a lot of people were going for more than what I had them pegged for earlier in the draft, which you do have to bake in, and that then led to discounts mid to so- late rounds. Right, so much of it was was timing, which was crazy, or or whatever. Like, uh, I guess it's the right word, but like, just like like you said, it's relative. Where it's like you have, you know, people of equal value going for for drastically different amounts, just depending yep. on the placement yep. of the nomination. And 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 Granky uh, sticks out in my head, Cattell Marte, but also because they were people that I was thinking about too. Just but, about Manny Machado for sixteen dollars. Yeah, crazy, and like, like there were there were so many crazy, like like I mean, uh, didn't Castillo go? I feel like for pretty low. I think. I want to say maybe I'm thinking of somebody. Else. He went to thir- he went for thirty. Okay, then maybe, in the grand scheme of it, that's kind of low for what people were spending on pitchers. But right. um, that's probably like an accurate. So high, for sure. It's probably accurate. But yeah, like I also wasn't thinking that way. Like I came in and I I stayed off the first couple of uh, people that went, mm-hmm. and then it kind of felt bad. You know, you're sitting there and you're not getting anyone, and you see good players going to other teams, so you kind of want to get someone. But then I realized as soon as I started like getting a player, I I like didn't back off. I think it's really important to know when to just like not really bid, like to mm-hmm. let people go. So I'm going to read, so I'm sure while we were all preparing for the March draft or any snake draft, we all have some sort of 
positional ranking in our head, and because our league is so pitching heavy, I'm going to read off the uh, pitchers who went from most expensive to least expensive uh, and try to see if you guys can find any sort of uh, value in here that you think is incorrect, if you think that this list is wrong. If, like, Marcus Stroman. What, what do you mean? Like, if, if I think the numbers are wrong or if I just... No, I'm just going to read them off in, in order and you tell me, like, it, it could be very obvious that there's a guy who is the fifth most expensive guy who you think is actually, like, the 20th best starting pitcher. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, or if any of these... We all have our, we all have our buzzers. Match stop your, you. Yeah, exactly. Just stop me. Um, uh, Jacob deGrom, number one. <laughs> we can skip him because that was a bit of an anomaly. Uh, and I am curious how much Mike would have spent he, he, I was texting him after, and he said he was willing to go all the way. He said he might have gone to 100. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Just like a first date, Mike's willing to go all the way. <laughs> so, we'll skip Jacob DeGrom, but uh, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Walker Bueller, Shane Bieber, so, Mike Clevenger. Yep. So, no, just like, before, in like back in March, I think Walker Bueller would have been fine going there, but I don't know if, uh, I think Ben got him. I don't know if you saw, but like if you click on Walker Bueller's blurb, it talks about him like not really warming up, and they don't know that he's going to actually pitch that many innings. They think he's going to, like I think, work in tandem with mm-hmm. Dustin May to go, I guess, yeah. like three or four innings, and then like May will come in after. So knowing that, like yeah, he's obviously not worth that much, but like I don't think he knew that. So. Right, because at, at this point, in in this kind of season where so much is, is up in the air, like I feel like any kind of news, like it just you know, will, will scare you that much more. And with so many good options out there, like just seeing that kind of like made me erase thoughts of Walker Bueller from my mind. For you know, to an extent, of course. Like I mean, all going, for, like, to be fair, like Ben wasn't the only one bidding on him. I don't remember no. who was, but like. He got all the way up into the 40s. Well, yeah, exactly. There's a reason he got to 42. You know, if if, if you know if, if no one else was bidding on him, then Ben would have gotten for a lot cheaper, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, people were definitely still, you know, putting that, that ace value in him, I'm sure. And um, and we'll see. You know, we, we don't know anything, really. I mean, maybe they just say, fuck it, and they just uh, go back to Bueller. But, I mean, you know, the Dodgers are always kind of crazy with their... Pitching. And the one thing to keep in mind is that Ben had Walker Bueller last year. So if anyone knows how good of a pitcher Walker Bueller can be, it should be Ben because he probably followed a lot of his starts last year and has a good idea about how good Walker Bueller could potentially be this season. So maybe Ben knows something that we all don't. Right. Maybe. Uh, but other than that, you know, that bit of uh like that cloud hanging over walker bueller i mean it sounds good so far like the list that you've been saying yeah so who was the last person clevenger yeah so it was bieber clevenger bieber clevenger flaherty strasburg snell kershaw corbin bauer nola darvish morton so morton and castillo both went for 30 so we'll stop there at 30 for now I'm not shocked that these are the names. Like, none of these names stand out as, yeah. like, whoa, this is a, you know, this this is, like, a top 50 pitcher who went in the top 10. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's some people who surprised me. I definitely didn't think Bauer was going to go for over 30. Like, I thought Bauer would be given the treatment of, like, a tier 2 or 3 pitcher, but he went as a tier 1 pitcher, which is surprising because even though he's a workhorse, 
he kind of sucked last year. Um, I had him, and he was really frustrating, but he had a high floor because he pitched a lot of innings. But I was still surprised that, like, I mean, I, I know I got Morton for 30. I would have taken Morton in, like, the second round this year. I would mm-hmm. not have considered Bauer until probably, like, the fourth, maybe. Yeah, I think in a lot of rankings, like, like Morton was definitely, like, in the top 10, right? Uh, he was he was ranked, like, super best. But Bauer, I guess Bauer being there kind of surprised me. But at the same time, you said Bauer-Nola, and I think I would rather have Bauer than Nola? Well, Nola is the one that I would actually point out and say I was probably surprised about how much he went for. Uh, at $32, $2 more than Morton, $2 more than Castillo, Nola, it's, $3 it's two less examples. than Kershaw. Yeah, it, it's two examples, I think, of like those two are like just like guys who still have that name, you know, factor behind them, where it's like, at least from what I'm I mean, I think I know Bauer a little better than Nola, but, like, I know Nola didn't do so well last year either, right? Like, he no. he, he, he rebounded, right? Nola had a horrendous like, start to the season, and I remember yeah. Daniel had him, and then he was, I think he rebounded a bit, but then I think he was inconsistent. Like, I don't think Nola had, you know, a terrible first half and then just a dominant second half. I think at the end of the season, it, like, there were still a lot of questions about him. He didn't, like, you know, take all the doubt away. Right, so it's like... Two guys who are still carrying, you know, bits from of name recognition from previous seasons, and in Bauer's case, at least, it's like, uh, you know, he really only had like he's probably put together like less than an actual season's worth of like being really, really good. You know what I mean? Like, like he was solid last year, but I think the theme with these guys is that people are paying for their ceiling; they're paying for their potential. Right for this, and also, like you said about the floor, it's just like. With with Bauer, I remember reading like that. Uh, I mean, this could end up horrifically for him, but like I, I remember correctly reading, they said that he that they want to have him start like every fourth day or something or something like it was like they wanted to use him like even more frequently because oh, yeah. he said he's he's ready. So they want to work him a lot, which could end up working well, or he could his arm could fall off and he could just keep having bad start after bad start. But like you said, he's a workhorse. Like he's crazy. He wants to like out there and I'm sure they're gonna not gonna argue but it's, it's kind of weird to hear that also too on the other hand when they have a pretty good staff this year like from top to bottom with him Castillo uh Gray and and uh and Descafani and, and Miley right like that's a pretty good rotation so it's like I don't know why they would want to set up like that but I didn't know you had the uh the res rotation tattooed on your <laughs> car <laughs> The, I wrote it. I wrote it on my arm right before we started this podcast. So the interesting thing is that both of these players, Bauer and Nola, were drafted by the same team, Jose Tresleschitz. Another one. Those are those are his two top two bids on pitchers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we but we know they're going to win the. Uh, they're going to tie for the NL Cy Young. <laughs> who, who does he? Who's his top AL pitcher? There's our, our AL Barrios. Barrios. Oh man, look at the like it's crazy to see that and then the, the gap to what to his next pitcher. Yeah, like you said, Barrio said uh uh actually where is he? I lost oh twenty. Twenty there he is, yeah. If you want to see a gap between top pitcher and next pitcher, you can look right <laughs> at minor Lewis's team. There's a big gap right there. So I'll I'll briefly read off the list of uh twenty to twenty nine dollar pitchers and let me know if anything sticks out here for you guys. Uh 
starring at $29, Paxton, Giolito, Chris Sale, Zach Wheeler. We're just going to ignore Sale. We're going to ignore the, Chris Sale, like we ignored Jacob DeGrom. Zach Wheeler, Kenta Maeda, Zach Greinke, Frankie so Montas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so two things. Uh, first off, I think it's really interesting in a short season, like all these quarantine protocols. Um, I remember clicking on Zach Wheeler and his wife's going to have a baby. And apparently he's going to miss at least two starts because of it because he's going to go home, obviously, and hang out with his wife and kid. But then there's all the quarantine protocol. So he is, I, I don't know how long he's got to stay, but they have to make sure that he didn't catch COVID and, you know, all that shit. So he's missing at least two starts. If he misses two or three starts, let's say, like that's like a fourth of his whole season just because he's having a kid. Well, you know who he was drafted by, right? No, who? Team McLovin. It, it's someone who's very sympathetic to... Uh, people uh, yes. who are about to have kids. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so I think that Jeff just wanted to draft all of the uh, future fathers. Did he didn't take Trout, though. Oh, Trout, did Trout have the baby? Is that why? No, I no. think Cole had the baby. Cole had the baby. Okay. But then the other the other one, um, I liked Maeda coming into the season. I think he's exciting. He's on a team that could let him pitch. He's got a lot going for him. But you say Maeda at 25 and then Granky, and it's just like I feel like Maeda's ceiling is Zach Granky's floor. And I think that was just an instance of when Maeda went, pitching was, I think, a lot less available based on whoever was left. I think he got bit up a lot. Almost an hour apart, yep. Yeah. I got the draft time. So Wheeler, Maeda, and Granky were all the $25 pitchers. And I think that that's really interesting because I – don't have their values as that close together. Um, and I do have Grinky as the highest value out of all of those, but uh, Hogbro ended up getting both Grinky and Maeda. So he did end up with both of those players. That's interesting, too. He paid the same amount for both of those those people. But um, I think he was just concerned with locking up pitchers that he liked. I think he was willing yes. to spend a lot of money on guys. Like, I don't know that he was following a rigid amount for certain players. You know? And that's the thing, too. It's like he could, it's, it's not just like the timing there or like the, the availability, like who's left on the board, but also just like, hey, your guy that you love got nominated and you're willing to pay, you know, I, I maybe the limbo levels of money for that for that person for you know the Grom levels. So I don't know. Like uh, Hagro and me were uh, bidding for Lance Lynn, who I loved, and I tried not to be too transparent throughout the whole draft. But that was just a moment where I was like, all right, he's gonna get me up to like thirty right now for Lance Lynn. I probably would have stopped before then, but um, I think we had you in this. I think we all had moments like that. I was still be going. You wanted. So let's um, read. I, I definitely surprised myself though with a few people. Like, are there definitely a few that went not against the plan? And that's what, like, like Justin, how much did you stick to like your plan throughout? Like, in terms of like, did you get a lot of guys that you were targeting? Or so it's it's difficult in an auction, right? Because you can't really be targeting people. Uh, you can, but right, like I can love. Justin Turner as much as I want, but if he's going for thirty dollars, I'm not going to get him, and that's just what it is. So it's all it's all very relative to the value that you have on the player. I was just trying to get people at or below their cost. Um, 
Now that does right. that does change when we start the draft and all the top players are going for twenty percent more than what I project them to go for because I wouldn't get anyone if that was the case. Um, and I, I didn't get a lot of the top guys. I somehow I think got lucky that Verlander somewhat fell into my lap at like a cost that I it was only like a buck or two above what I projected his value to be. Um, so I didn't feel like I was bidding him up as much as I would have the other guys. Um, but I tried to stay close to my values, um, especially towards the middle and the end of the draft, as everything sort of leveled out a little bit more. Yeah, I feel that. It, it was definitely it was a mix of sticking to your, your plan, to your guns, and then kind of learning when to let go, too, based on those values that you set, and also just based on really what you needed at that point. Um, like... My example that I, when we were talking after the draft was with with Glaber, who I was definitely you know willing to be in in the bidding, not just for price enforcing, but just because I I, I liked him enough and I, I had my my value for him, which I think was around where I got him, which uh, uh, was like in in the low 30s, I think. And so after that, you know, seeing someone like Catal Marte, who I love and like arguably like more than than Glaber coming into this, and then just going well. This is this is going above like what makes sense for me budget wise at this point in the draft and position position need wise it's not you know necessarily the, it doesn't make sense like what I, what I need right now is to save my money for an SP or something like that to fill that void so um, yeah it was definitely a mix of that stuff and that creates the kind of like values that we might see that stick out as like. Uh, anomalies or whatever through through going down these lists um though so far i mean like we're saying it does make sense in terms of that the trajectory at least like of of highest to lowest for the most part yeah and just looking at the 20 to 25 dollar range the only one to me that really sticks out is marcus stroman going for i i unfiltered but i believe it was 21 or 22 dollars yeah, he spent uh, that was early. That was early too. So that goes back People, to the point. I hate Stroman so much. I don't know why. I think that's just like a pure name value thing. Like he was good five years ago, but like he won the American Baseball Classic. Has he been even okay the past like I don't know, like three, four years? Last year he was good. Or what did he do last year? Define good. I mean, look, he, he doesn't strike people out, but as long as he can keep his ERA and whip down, he's he's serviceable in our league. I don't remember. I mean, maybe I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember him being, like, I'm, I'm gonna anything more than average last year. It's, it's so interesting because, like, later on, if that, if that like, if, if this wasn't within the first hour of the draft and near the exactly. end, we would have been like, oh, yeah, like, that makes so much sense. Like, like Marcus Stroman, $21. Like, I would not. I, I, like, I, I hate Marcus Stroman. I don't think so either, but I don't think he would have went for $21 if if he, he would have been thrown out an hour later. And that goes back to Lewis's point, is that Lewis started, I think, earlier in the draft throwing out people he wanted, and they were just getting bit up like crazy. Yeah. I mean, I did try to get, like, Caleb Smith to get bit up. I was thinking, like, who are unconventional guys who aren't worth like this premium price tag who I could throw out and might get, you know, bid up for no reason. And I throw out Caleb Smith and he went for twelve dollars. Yeah, I, I like, ate that shit up. I ate that shit up. Yeah. But I don't understand like I just didn't understand at that point. Like I didn't understand why somebody like Strowman would go for twenty one when Smith went for I would have Caleb Smith ten times before I took Marcus Strowman. So, I mean, there, there's so much that goes, like, it could have been, 
someone like I, I don't remember like what the series of events was with the bidding and, and everything but it honestly could have been like daniel wanting him enough or something and then people just catching on to it and just taking that chance of just bidding it i don't know if people were that sly or that sneaky and he's a met there was it seemed so random to me because there were so many times too where like i think people are scared to price enforce because it is scary because like I mean, like, I did it a couple times and ended up with players that I wasn't prepared to get because, like, Trey Turner, like, I think he's a good player, and I also think I got him for a good price. I got him for 31, but I remember he was going to go for, like, low to mid-20s, and I was like, this is really stupid. I'm going to start bidding on him, and then I figured I'd get him up to, like, at least mid-30s, and people just instantly stopped. Well, like, like you were saying about how your, your draft went, like my observation of, of your draft, and this is just from my, my site, was was that, you know, like, like you said about paying, paying high prices for the hitters because you figured that these were the values that they um, maybe not necessarily deserved, but like where they, would, where they would go at based on the calculations. And then I feel you got bit by that. And then later on, you're looking at it. And like just based on looking at who was bidding, I didn't see your name a lot. Like as it went on, or at least not going past like minimal amounts. And I know that was just like the budget that you had. I had pulled out. Um, so then, yeah. So then, like, I think certain, like, certain things became like there was again, like, like you said, like it's so such a mix of random, and then a lot of mix of like, at least in my eyes, where I was just trying to make sense of it, and it could have just been you know, whatever the proper term logically for it is, but just things falling into place and me just being like, you know, my mind being like, oh, let me connect dots or maybe there aren't dots that are there. But I, I know that personally I was trying like very, um, maybe not a full aggressively, but like as much as I could to price enforce, like to at least get in on a bunch of bids. But, um, and I, I think we all got more cautious, of course, as it went on, because you don't want to get stuck with somebody near the end for even, you know, a dollar or, or two more than what you had planned, or, or, or get somebody that, you know, when, when money's so scarce, uh, well, the issue end up with somebody you don't want at all. So much, it wasn't so much getting somebody for a dollar or more than you planned. Like, I had don't want. going for, for lower. The issue is price enforcing and getting stuck with a guy, even if you think it's a good price, that you weren't budgeting for. So Because you're not paying $3 for him. Like, I, that cost me $31. It's a huge chunk of the budget. So, you know, by price enforcing there, it's, I just was not prepared to spend that on him. Right. But most of that player, yeah. I think, it was, I think it really was as simple as timing and people feeling like, I think this was the most emotional draft, like emotion driven draft that we've had. And if you look just based on like chronologically these bids, after James Paxton went for $29, because he was like easily the best pitcher on the board, the only guy who was in a tier above the rest. The, the most money spent on anyone was 14 on Oda Rizzi. And just scrolling down, I see five other people that went for double digits. It was Mitch Keller, Josh James, Julio Urias, Dylan Bundy, and, and Tanaka. And that's it. Everybody else after Paxton. And where was pa- Paxton was the 174th player off the board. Everybody after 174 went for... 14 or less. And we had 348 picks. So that's, you know, the majority of the draft. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Um, yeah, I'm looking at that now, too. 
with Paxton. Because, yeah, that, that was a super late one where it's just, like, felt almost like, you know, like you said, I mean, it is that, that random nature, but it's like Paxton was still hanging around with, like, a bunch of guys that weren't in his lane at all. So then that moment comes, and then it's, you know, you, you had the money still to bid it, and and so did Hogger. I'm sure, I, I'm going to guess he had a bit oh, of more yeah. budget to play with, I, too, at that point. I wasn't even really trying to get him at that point. I just wanted Harbour to spend as much as he possibly could, to be honest. But anyway, Justin, getting back, I feel like we got off on a tangent here. No. We're going down the list. That's fine. I, I was done. We got up to the $20. So, Does anybody else stand out? Like, looking back at the draft for you, Like, does anybody stand out as really great value or really horrendous value or just something that you were surprised about? Like, somebody who had way more interest than you thought or way less interest yeah so there were a couple of people and you have to keep in mind when they were thrown out right like people at the beginning of the draft went for more money than they should have in my opinion um someone like yeah i was surprised that someone like vlad jr went for about cost even though he was like the third player thrown out and that this is someone who coming into last year was extremely hyped um extremely do you think, do you think that's because he went right after garrett cole I think, yeah. I think at that point, people had their eyes set on the top 20, you know, probably been on the top 20 players, and didn't want to lose any money going down the line. But at the same time, like, we didn't see that with Jeff McNeil, right? Jeff McNeil ended up going for $25, and maybe it's because he's a Met. Like, how much do you think, like, the Yankee Met thing actually plays into this? I don't know. I didn't I didn't bid on him because he was a Met. I just really wanted I know you didn't, the but other people might have, and driving the price up. Maybe. I didn't see, even think about that when I was bidding on him. We see yeah. Jeff McNeil going for a decent amount. In my opinion, I think Glaber went for a good price. Um, DeGrom obviously went for a very good price. Paxton, <laughs> I know Hogro had the money, but he still went for a good price. So we did see a lot of the Yankees and Mets tend to flow to the top of my chart in terms of... When you're saying... When you're saying good price, you mean like an accurate price or like no, a high price? No, I mean a high price compared to at least what I had on my what I had budgeted for them. Okay. I retract my thank you. And yeah, no, I mean in the same way that the snake draft works, where it's like, ah, oh, maybe I wouldn't have picked that guy there, and it's like maybe you know they picked them there because of that, you know, home team love or something, or particular team love. I don't know. I try to not let that factor anything uh that i do i feel like you guys don't let that factor anything for you either um i get what you're saying though i think there's probably a lot of homer homering that goes on in this where it's like people had guys that they wanted to get and were excited to get coming in so if it's a matter of spending an extra five or ten dollars and they got that guy maybe they're more willing whereas maybe vlad guerrero just wasn't on that many people's radar he's like a post type sleeper kind of you know yeah in terms of in terms of good good value, meaning went for below what I thought they would have. Uh, I have some guys here. I think Carlos Correa going for eight dollars could potentially be a really good steal. Uh, yeah, yeah. end up with him. Franmil Reyes going for three dollars on the Indians. I think that uh, it's super low value. That could be like a Jose uh, Jorge Soler type thing from last year, where it's just a flyer that doesn't cost you anything and. Maybe he ends up hitting 48 home runs, but if he doesn't, it's perfectly fine because it costs Wells and Jeremy $3. He's going to hit one every other day. Well, <laughs> every other day, he would only get like uh, 25 this year. Um, 
a couple other. Uh, how much? How much did Carlos Martinez go for? Four dollars. I'm so tight about yep. that. I'm so tight about that. I loved him all preseason, and then I clicked the fucking blurb, and it was like, uh, "Quang Hyung Kim is going to be the starter." I was like, "All right, word, fuck it, I'll just take Quang Hyung Kim." <laughs> and then two days later, switches. Yeah. I I was surprised about how cheap all the relief pitchers were. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. But I was disappointed that nobody else used their brains to realize that they were going to need closers and then, like, maybe would bid them up a little bit. Because yeah. I messaged you during the draft, Justin. I was like, Josh Hader's about to go for, like, $10 yep. later on. He did. And he did. <laughs> I know. But at that point, I already had Edwin Diaz because uh, I thought people were going to bid up relievers more. And then by the time the relievers actually started going, I had no money. So I, I really didn't play that correctly. Um, but I think I ended yeah. up in a decent spot in the end. Yeah, going going into this for relief pitchers, I I had on my chart that I wasn't going to spend more than $7 for the closer. And I just started at a certain point, like, just throwing out, like, when, like whenever it would come to me to nominate, just to throw out a closer. And like, like you said, like, your, the intention just being to get people to just bid on a closer, like, who objectively like pretty you know seems like a good bet but just to get people to blow their money on them and just let like like the same way catchers go just let that go later in the draft and that but i still was like super shocked that i was able to get like uh my top you know quote unquote closer like for for two dollars like and then uh i think i spent one or two dollars on my on my second closer and and so on like the fact that that i did not expect to you know i did not budget for that to pay only two dollars for um a closer yeah so, so taylor rogers frankie got him for two dollars the difference between taylor rogers going for two dollars and let's call it i don't know who's a relief pitcher i can pick here i'll like someone a, li- a little like uh more name brand or yeah, let me pick on let me pick on Galembo and Hansel Robles going for three dollars. Like I think that that's a little backwards, but even like Taylor Rogers going for two dollars and then someone who went for one dollar, Ian Kennedy going for one dollar. Like I think that Taylor Rogers is significantly better than Ian Kennedy is, and he plays for a significantly better team. And the value at the end of the year is going to probably prove out that Taylor Rogers has earned more than one dollar more than Ian Kennedy did. So I just feel like that the good closers, or at least proven relief pitchers, weren't getting bid up as much as they should have. Yeah, I agree, and that's a good point. And one of the things I was trying to do after this really confusing auction draft was like try to figure out how many dollars gets you how many points like generally. And it's never going to be perfect because of all the randomness. You have guys like Machado just will throw the whole thing off. But I saw that like typically like a difference of $10 between, like, an elite hitter and, like, a second-tier hitter would be, like, 50 to 60 points, like, between, like, the top second baseman and then, like, I don't know, like, a somebody in, like, the Moustakis range or the Muncie range. So is that in a is that in a 60-game season or a 160 In this year, season? just, okay. like, based on this year. I just, like, okay. looked at the Pantrax player points. I didn't, like, go super in-depth. But, like, I don't know what um, Taylor Rogers is projected for, but I would imagine it's... I saw a lot of the bottom tier closers projected in like the 60s or 70s. I think the top tier closers are projected in like the, you know, low to mid 100s. Mm-hmm. So even if you want to take a guy like Hader and 
compare him to Ian Kennedy or a guy like um, you got Edwin Diaz for how much, Justin? Do you remember? Seven dollars, but he was the first so. one off the board, so I thought it was a steal. But it turns okay. out it, it wasn't compared to what the, all the other closers. But were even, even if you want to say you got like a top tier closer for in, in the six to twelve dollar range, that's like a massive you if you're gaining sixty points there, and it's only costing you four dollars right over a, over a lower guy right. or six dollars. Whereas it looks like you'd have to spend at least ten to get that amount of points in um, in a lot of positions. I mean, I'm hoping Edwin Diaz can go back to what he did two years ago. But we'll see. Uh, I did want to do some quick hits with both of you. Um, Frankie, let's start with you. I just want to ask a couple of questions. If you could pull up your team, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about your draft uh, in terms of what was your favorite pick? Okay, hold on. I'm going to organize it in the Excel, too, so I can see the, the bids. Okay. Um, okay. And then I think, Lewis right. and I, we can, we can mention, too, what our favorite picks were of Frankie's. Okay. And we'll go around the horn. So, I know we were, we were just talking about it, so recency bias, but I, I love that I was able to get, you know, like you said, I, uh, what, who I think will be a good closer, knock on wood, this year on a really competitive team in, in the Twins for only two bucks and that was way less than what I budgeted for which I guess will also you know stick out in my mind as I try to evaluate this like any time that I got someone for a bit less than, than what I thought they would go for um, like someone like Joey Gallo I thought would go for a lot less I'm not saying that was my my favorite pick but like getting him in Brantley for 15 and 14 felt like you know some sweet spot there where I spent you know, the most I spent on anybody on an outfielder with Yelich in the beginning, and then to be able to fill out my outfield that way with two guys that I like a lot in Gallo and Brantley for right around where I was planning for, not necessarily for them specifically, um, felt right in terms of like a moment where things kind of clicked properly. And then um, another, another thing that sticks out, I think, is like with when it came to SPs, like, being ready to just try to, like, fill in certain slots in terms of, like, your, you know, your, your one, two, three, four, but not necessarily in that order, like you might in a snake draft or something I thought was very interesting, where it's, like, I got someone, like, faulty, where he was, like, I think, you know, someone I planned to be, like, my, I guess, my, in the way I rank it, at least, like, my SP5 or something, but I think he was, like, the third pitcher I got, just depending on the nomination order, and he got, and he, I got him for what I had you know, plan to spend on my SP5, which was like around the $7 mark. But in terms of just answering your question and not rambling on forever, in terms of my favorite pick, um, let's see. It's DD Gregorius. <laughs> that was actually the one that I was probably the most upset about, where I was like, I didn't plan to get DD, and well, I was like, I always love question. him, but I was like, oh God, like he, he's got health issues and like he's been playing and playing pretty well from what it seems like but a little a little scary there i think you know looking at all this in front of me i think my favorite pick in terms of what i think was like a, a steal and a score was probably justin turner for for 14 i think was good and i think it paid off because i think he's one of those guys who really is going to benefit from that shortened season like it's like if anyone's gonna it's probably gonna work out in their favor of course all the guys who keep getting hurt 
and things like that could just get hurt and just be out now for a third of the season rather than a little bit. But I think, you know, if anyone has a good shot of like, you know, making making a mark in a shortened season like this and just, you know, uh, without getting caught up in a lot of other BS, it's, it's people like him. And, and maybe like something like Stan with Lewis and like, you know, I know Lewis wasn't, wasn't psyched about it and I wasn't crazy about Stan going into this season or, or year either but like getting Stanton for what are you getting for $11 like I thought it was um, you know pretty good for someone who you know maybe he ends up being healthy and doesn't get hurt and just smacks and gets Lewis a lot of homers or something but I think Justin Turner was uh, probably my favorite uh, looking at all this honestly Lewis who was your favorite pick of Frankie's um, probably Matt Boyd um, he got him really cheap and uh, a lot of people love him this year. I think, yeah, he got him for $16. And if you just, like, look at Fantrax's projections, they've got him as more than Darvish. And ironically, I think that's my least favorite pick from Frankie because not that I think Darvish will be bad, but, like, Darvish is just – there's always a lot of question marks with him. And um, I think looking back, if you compare the values of all the pitchers, not that you knew this at the time, but I think that you probably could have gotten – a better pitcher than Darvish for 32 bucks, um, or maybe like you could have gotten, I don't know if people were price, uh, like price checking you with him, but, um, it's possible. Yeah. That, he's a, no, he's also just like, like a love, beloved sleeper this year. So like for all we know, he could be like, you know, top, top five, top 10 pitcher. So I understand why you went for him as hard as you wanted. And in a shortened season, you might as well have fun and get the guys you like. So. I don't completely hate it, you know. It's just like if there was a least fear pick, it's probably that. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely Darvish was an example of the what we what we call it before the homering. Where you know I, I really loved him this year, and he was somebody that I definitely wanted, and it was an example of like, all right, I definitely did not think I would pay. You know, I think my budget worked out where I had paying over forty for my SP one, and then everything else was under thirty uh, for the rest of my rotation. So. Um, definitely an example where I probably, you know, I, I paid above just not just my values, but, uh, you know, other values there. Um, and yeah, that's one of those ones where like with a lot, we'll see, but, um, but yeah, thanks. I, I like, I, I was happy with the, with the Boyd value there too, because he's, he's very popular this year as well. And I like how my rotation worked out in terms of like getting a top, you know, four that I really feel good about. And then just really letting it fly with a lot of upside guys, um, and not just young but old too, like Bolte, who, who who you know could have everything work out for them, and and you know have the right tools and the right kind of hype behind them. But yeah, the, I mean the nice yeah. thing with Bolte is he provides a steady floor. Like that's what I tried to write about a little bit last year with how I had built my team. But it's really important to have the guys that can get you the thirties every week but it's also really just as important to have the guys that aren't going to get you less than like you know seven to to 11 points on any given week just because they're not going to get blown up right and no joke and of course like i mean obviously you know i i, I talked to, to you and justin the most out of the, and you know anybody period but like <laughs> I, I definitely you know took a lot of stake in that or whatever in, in what you wrote and uh, and I thought about that kind of stuff that, that you that you outlined, and um, and even in something where all of a sudden we 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 shift, we pivot to this kind of unusual format. I'm thinking to myself, how can I still apply 
those principles that, that, that were my bugaboos or whatever last year and, and, and think about applying that no matter the craziness of whatever format we're doing and whatever kind of crazy season this is going to be, if it even happens all the way through and, and try to, you know, try to get that right this year. Uh, and try to lock that in. So we'll see. You know, I, I definitely, I you know, I look at it and I'm like my my team and I'm like, damn, like last year, like my hitting was so uh, was so stacked, it was so powerful. But then the pitching ended up being my downfall. And it's just like you know, trying the best to where you're not relying on you know the magoos like 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 <laughs> you called it last year. And you uh, <laughs> right, so, which is, uh, you'll, which is you'll also figure out a way to make it work regardless. You know, with pickups right. and stuff. But I think you did do a yeah. good job, and I'm, I'm happy that you, you took what I wrote to heart because I think you did balance out your rotation with a nice, you know, ceiling and floor combo. Yeah, I actually don't I don't mind the Darvish pick, to be honest. Um, I actually really like what you did with your two through four rotation slots with Darvish, Lynn, and Boyd. I think those were all decent value. It, it Definitely when you compare to the inflation that was being put on pitchers at that time, mm-hmm. I think you got them all at cost or better. Darvish, maybe you overpaid a little bit, but I don't think you overpaid as much as what pitchers were going for around that time. Um, so I think that all things considered, relatively, those are all good values. I'm actually going to pick the one the one that I do want to talk about briefly is, uh, was it you who ended up with Gavin Lux? Yes. I'm going to talk about that one. Uh, $5 for a second baseman. We know you love the young guys. Um, and to have a have an infield combo with Lux and Turner to stack that lineup together, I think that's pretty good com- considering it's the Dodgers lineup. Uh, you know they're going to score runs. You also have Jock Peterson, I believe. Um, so you definitely yep. have stacked some Dodgers, which is probably one of the better lineups to have multiple hitters from. But from a position that is considered relatively weak to get someone who is a front-running, I don't know if he still qualifies as a rookie, but a, a young player in the league uh, is definitely, I think, going to be a benefit to your team. I had to get my fix of the of the young guys, you know, at the end of the day. Um, but I, I think I, I didn't draft too young overall, I think, which is no. not unusual. So you definitely <laughs> got the old guys to balance out. For, yeah. for um, least favorite... I'm actually going to say, you guys are going to hate me. I'm going to say Shane Bieber for $41. I think you're paying for his ceiling at that point. Um, There are some regression metrics that are saying that last year was a little bit unsustainable. He has has amazing command. Show me the XL. Show me the XL. He has amazing command. He has amazing control. I don't know if the Ks are going to be there like they were last year. Um, I think that may once the K's drop and then he has to put balls in play and then you're subject to BABIP, I think that he may regress a bit. I think that you may have paid for his ceiling, which he could potentially hit again. Um, but I think that that's, that was an upside case. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I went hard on Bieber this year. I doubled down on him. I mean, look, I you got to get the guys you like. Really. I like that Frankie took him, and I told him this, because when he sucks for him this year, he'll let me get him this year, <laughs> which will be nice. The Trevor, the Trevor Story syndrome. When I had Trevor Story of the year. He was absolute ass and became an all-star again for every other year. The last question um, I'm going to ask you, Frankie, about your team is, is there anyone who someone else drafted that you regret not going more for? 
So the one that sticks out, I already mentioned one that sticks out at the top of my head was was Catal Marte, and that was because I kind of locked in with the with the Glaber. Uh, I got kind of stuck there and and paid and paid for him there, and uh, when I was probably just trying to to price him for us a little bit more, and then not just ha- not having that money or that that need necessarily at that point when Catal got nominated, so I was kind of upset about that. And then we already mentioned him, this guy too, but. And on a much lesser scale, I was pretty pissed about Tommy Edmund. And it's it's not, it, and it just, it's nobody like, else just is allowed to lay any piece of ownership to Tommy Edmund. Can I state here on the podcast that I think Tommy Edmund is horseshit and that he's going to be benched by the end of the season? I he's feel not like we have had more about this. I, I will ride or die with Tommy Edmund. But fuck all you people thinking that Tommy Edmund is your boy. He's not your boy. He's my boy. He's only my boy, and he told me he's on the podcast. We're gonna get him on the podcast. (laughs) He's He's not not enough where he might actually (laughs) respond to Twitter DMs. He's he's not (laughs) going to be playing by the end of the year. (laughs) He's not going to be playing by the end of the year, so he's going to be more than willing to come onto our podcast and talk shit. All right, all right, but but just to cap my part, because we should definitely move on to you guys. uh, like, I really don't remember getting, like, too upset about anything in particular. Like, I didn't – I tried not to get too worked up about any anything with this draft, especially with the with the format. And I got a lot of guys that I wanted. And I think starting off, it was at least, you know, regardless of, of the, the amount spent, just being like, all right, things are kind of going to plan, which is unusual for me with just, you know, winning Yelich, winning Bieber and stuff like that, and winning Darvish. I was like – all right, I guess I get can't get too upset about things that happen next because that now we're getting into way more unpredictable territory. I'm sure I could find a few others that that pissed me off at certain points, whether it was the value or just because I wanted them. But um, but yeah, the the Cattell Marte in terms of like my master plan was one that 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 stuck out. Um, but yeah, let's move on to one of you guys. Yeah, Justin. Yeah. You want to talk about my team? Yeah, let's do you. All right, let me pull it up. We start from who placed the lowest last year to who placed the <laughs> I was in your tr- I was just trying to be nice, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for reminding me of that. So in terms of my favorite pick of my own, uh, I think I did a pretty good job drafting hitters in the middle, specifically after the first break. I think I don't know if people got tired, but I think I got some pretty good values <laughs> out of some of those like second tier hitters i think machado machado matt chapman castellanos ozuna and moustakis are the ones that kind of stick out to me that i I feel like i got pretty good value on all those specifically in points league and obp leagues um i mean machado for 16 bucks uh, he was crap last year i i recognize he was crap um but if he's not 16 bucks you know like it's still Machado. Yeah, so. the floor is still there. Like I paid enough that like he can have a pretty bad year, and it's still not the worst thing in the world. I mean, he still had thirty something homers last year. Um, so if he does that again, I'm still not losing too much value. But like the upside, I think there is tremendous. Um, so I think I did a pretty good job in the mid rounds with my hitting, um, pitching wise. Uh, not too much to like there. <laughs> There's. I think I got Verlander for a fair price. I was pretty high on Sandy Alcantara this year, so when Nick Miller threw him out and had a max bid of $1, I knew I could trump him and just take him for two. 
<laughs> you got the only all-star from the Marlins <laughs> last year. And then the, uh, I think I have a couple of high upside guys on my pitching staff. I liked, uh, I think Urias, despite his uh, domestic violence issues, could potentially end up finally breaking through. But there's not much else to really like about my pitching staff. I just want to say it bluntly. I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, getting getting the, I think he was the Cy Young runner-up, I would, I would say, right? Are we still you? talking about Sandy Alcantara? Well, <laughs> well, the other one, uh, and then I'll, uh, Ryu, uh, for, for 12 bucks. I mean, I know he's in Toronto now, but it's a fucking weird season. I don't know, man. Like, you know, I think 12 bucks is not bad for you, <laughs> Ryu, who just could also benefit from the shortened season and just was an absolute monster last year. So, um, I mean, how bad could he I really mean, be, right? Outside getting right. hurt, which anyone can get hurt, anyone can get sick. for him, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and that that's, that stretch of hitters is really nice. Um, but yeah, you got like you got Dylan Bundy, who's like, you know, definitely one of the most hyped people this year going Fuck into this Dylan year. Bundy. I think so. Fuck Dylan um, Bundy so hard. We all know he's going to have a five and a half ERA. Most likely, yes. But uh, I paid thirteen dollars for that shit. Yeah, that that one that sticks out as I'm surprised that because there were people I feel like of equal hype level or just in terms of that like young where it's just like I don't know this guy was really bad last year but like they but he's got a lot of hype again like like a Corbin Burns or something like that and like I don't know just throwing people out I'm just kidding Uh, good but uh you know I I I thought you turned your car off for a second because it went to Lewis it went really dark um, but I don't know. Sorry, I think I feel like I cut you off too. Not me. Um, well, do then we want to move on to like what did you say your favorite pick? You, I know you said you you like the streak of hitting. Is Machado your favorite pick then? Yeah, I think I think I would have to say Machado just because the upside there is so much higher than anyone else. I think that like Machado could he could end up being like a forty dollar value for sixteen dollars. I can't say that about anyone else on my team, right? Like, Moustakis can be good. I think he can be, like, a $25 value, but he's not going to be a $40 value. I think Machado's really the one where I can get a decent amount of upside in there. Yeah, he's that name-brand guy that you got for less than, than 20 And um, I was looking up Ozuna a second ago because he's, of course, one of my one of my homies, one of my, my all-time favorites. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Was Ozuna, like, not so good last year? And, like, his average was pretty poor, but, like, he still hit a lot of homers. And He wasn't. Uh, and I, I chalk it up partly to him being injured and partly to him playing in St. Louis, which is a fairly pitcher-friendly ballpark. So I'm hoping him being healthy and now being on the Braves is going to help bring him back to his, his that, own form. Yeah, that boosts his stock. He's on he's on a really good team and, and yeah, that was I mean, he's been a nomad, which is great like a bit of a nomad which is crazy and also just it was just nuts just watching what they were doing with him. Or I don't know who was necessarily responsible for it, but just like the whole time where he was clearly injured and like couldn't even throw from I remember watching him like from, from in the outfield. Like, um, but is that the report that he's like supposed to be fully good to go now? Yeah. You know? Or he's just like one can assume at this point, right? Like, just, like, yeah. that, that's got to be behind him. That, he's that supposed BS. to be healthy, and he's supposed to, I think, be the DH, too. So he could just focus on oh, nice. hitting. He doesn't okay. have to worry about fielding. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, that's good. Uh, so, I don't know, is that your favorite pick of mine? 
I want. I don't want to just agree with the Machado one. So I'm trying to. I mean, I, I like I said, I really like the Ryu. I think that it's you definitely did not overpay for him, and I think that that you know, yeah, he's on a different team now. But just to reiterate, like weird season, he's on a good team. I think. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I think, and they, because they got a crazy ass uh, uh, um, bunch of hitters, young, young hitters who like started to show themselves like a bit last year but like um i don't know i think the, the blue jays are going to be pretty solid honestly but maybe i'll be completely wrong on that but it, and i think he'll he'll definitely be supported on that front by the hitting i want to say i don't know what their schedule is like in terms of who they they play a lot this season but um but yeah i mean uh, i think the reuse sticks out as my, my favorite pick and then just if i had to just immediately look at another one we mentioned him already but urias like on, a, on an amazing team, like one of the best like young pitchers in, in, in baseball. And um, we'll see like what it's like to get a quote-unquote full season uh, of him. So um, I like that pick a lot too. Lewis, what are your thoughts about my draft? Um, I'm looking at the guys you took now, and it's really hard to, to like find flaws. And I think it's because you um, followed your, your sheet and you calculated your values very well. Um, and I think you, you – I would be hard-pressed to find people that I would guess you spent more than you were willing to spend on. Um, your hitters in particular, you obviously got really good value with all those guys you mentioned. Um, if I had to say a favorite pick, I'm going to be unconventional, and I'm going to say that I'm proud of you for going for Dylan Bundy. Even though you might have spent more than you should have, given how few pitchers were available, um, I think that Dylan Bundy's probably had the best spring training report in terms of, like, he's been a widely accepted sleeper. A lot of people say that he's got some good pitches. Um, I know Nick Pollock keeps preaching this, that, like, if he just throws his best pitches more and go into a new team, I'm sure they, they have people out there researching. I'm sure this isn't news to them. So that coupled with the... Good reports from spring training suggest to me that, like, if anybody could be a Shane Bieber this year, going from somebody who well, people are kind of excited about but really has no claim to be a, a really respected pitcher um, to being one, I could see Dylan Bundy doing that. And even though you spent 13 bucks on him, I kind of like it given who was available. Um, if I had to pick a least favorite, I don't necessarily think that you overpaid for them. I just don't really like them. Um, it would probably be either Josh Bell or, or Paul DeJong because I'm not convinced that either of them are legit from last year. But honestly, I haven't really looked into their advanced numbers. I just know that Josh Bell fell off the face of the earth after a really strong first half. And Paul DeJong just has never struck me as a reliable hitter. But maybe he you know, made real strides to his game last season. I'm not really you know, up to date with all of his stats. But just looking at it, I know that you, you spent six on Dijon, 18 on Bell. I guess maybe I would prefer you spent $18 on a guy like Muncie instead of Bell, put him there. But I know you love Josh Bell. I know you have a big boner for Bell. So so I did, uh, and I didn't coming out of last year, but with all the research and time I did in the offseason to look things up, I did end up gaining some love for Josh Bell. Uh, and what he did in the first half of the year, and I think he got a little bit unlucky the second half of the year, but completely understand uh, not liking that pick. 
Frankie, what does that have anything to do with you maybe feeling like you resembled uh, Josh from Drake and Josh um, in any form as a young high schooler? Oh, or not at all. You're by yourself? <laughs> Wait, is his last name, his last name is Drake Bell, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Drake Bell and Josh Bell. Oh, <laughs> you combined them to make this superhuman. Do you think that there is a baseball player out there named Drake Peck? <laughs> I, I Probably. Hope so. I hope there has to be. Most likely. Maybe a little weak, but most likely. I, I, I think if Josh Bell played the Drake and Josh theme song when he walked up, I would probably pay $40 for him. Easy. <laughs> I would drop it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if Josh Bell somewhere just in the middle of that, you know, of, of the, the start of last year and, and how... Uh, he how he fell off uh, later on the season like that's pretty good of her I would I would think so yeah. right like still for first yeah, baseman like somewhere in that middle which is most likely honestly where he is like I, I you know it's hard to gauge you know anything really but if if he, he's he's most likely somewhere in the middle I would think based well, on all that so that's see the this reason I did because. Uh, at this point every year it's impossible to make any decision like to actually like second guess any player because everybody has decent projections and you could support them anyway but every season certain players just for whatever reason fall off the face of the earth and like we'll never fully know who it's going to be but if I had to guess one player on Justin's team that's going to fall off the face of the earth it would be Josh Bell yeah um, he, he was I mean he was one of those people that he didn't completely come out of nowhere like he was definitely hyped a lot like before he came up uh on the Pirates, um, and I feel like it kind of like, besides like how crazy good he was in the beginning, like he he had that like I feel like the readings that we constantly read about him are like where he was always tracking like before he came up in terms of like really like he's like a good hitter, powerful guy, and just like really bad <laughs> at um, you know at defense. But um, but yeah, I mean I, I I I think that that's like the mark right there, like the, the 18, like, I think that that's a reasonable amount for him. I thought about him a lot this year too, honestly. Um, but I just couldn't, I couldn't, uh, pull the trigger even with a, a shallow position like that. Um, in terms of, so with, back to the Dijon, like I see you have Segura on shortstop too. Do you have anybody else who's shortstop eligible? Uh, Machado, Segura, oh, yeah. Dijon are my three. Okay, so yeah, so you have Machado, and then you could slide Chapman at third or whatever, Moustakis by corner. Yeah, so you're set there. For a second, I wasn't sure <laughs> if Paul DeJong was here. <laughs> I forgot about Machado being yeah. uh, shortstop eligible, too. Um, I don't know. I Like like Lewis said, you stuck you stuck to your guns, and really, you know, you, you, you I think you came out of this feeling uh, pretty good. I know, like you said, you... you uh, well, I remember you. Well, uh, I know we talked about uh, how you felt about the pitching in some spots, but like with uh, Harper before, you said you thought you overpaid. Did you did you say that, or you said you didn't necessarily want Harper? It was that, not in this podcast, but like when we were having the chat after. Yes, yeah, so that, that's remembering. That's probably my least favorite pick. Um, I, I didn't want him for thirty five dollars. I was trying to bid him up to twenty nine. And I think Frankie, you actually snuck a bid in for thirty-four. Is that one of my my four-dollar bids? Yeah, just yeah. It jumped it? from like twenty-eight to thirty-four, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" That's how you convince people you really want somebody. And then everyone stopped bidding, so I was like, "All right, I guess I got Harper for thirty-five. 
And it's not horrible, right? Like, you can spend $35 on someone and be fine. Um, it's just knowing the value and, like, what everyone else was going to go for, I knew it wasn't going to end up looking great. It's really weird looking at it because he's the only outfielder that went between 29 and $46. So it was like you're either paying up for the Acuna or you're moving down oh, wow. a level. Um, That's really interesting. And looking at, like, the $29 outfielder like J.D. Martinez, I have a projected point total for J.D. and Harper as, like, almost exactly the same. Um, so knowing that maybe could have gotten J.D. for 30 or 31 depending on how far Lewis was willing to go, and I probably would have wanted to do Harper around the same. Um, I just feel like it was a little bit of an overpay. Um, that probably wasn't necessary, but that's probably my least favorite pick just because I wasn't. it wasn't an intentional bid. And from that point on, I stopped using the plus one button. I was typing in all my bids. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just looking, I, I think of anything, this could, this could completely be like personal and, and just me being like, oh my God, last season pissed me off so much. But with Edwin Diaz, like, I feel like I'd just be too scared to go up that high at that point for him. I mean, I, I, I can't remember. That was still pretty early. Like, not many relief pitchers have gone off the he board, the right, at that point. He was the he was first, the first? Yeah. Okay, um, so we didn't really have a price gauge, of course, for anything. So I think you get the slide there. I just don't think I would have even, you know, I would have probably, I'm sure I, I clicked the plus one once or twice for Edwin Diaz just to be like, oh, I know people will, will, will want him. But, um, but yeah, he, he pissed me off so much last, last year. I feel like something, like, mentally happened there, like, that he just is not, like, maybe he got that, that mojo back, like, in a Darvish kind of way, but um, I'm, I'm scared of him, really. I, I, I'm, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, go Mets. <laughs> yeah. We'll and see. then, uh, in terms of biggest regret, I probably would have wanted to spend more money in, on pitching in the middle rounds. Um, so getting the guys in like the 18 to $25 range rather than having to settle for loading up on three guys, Tanaka, Bundy, and Urias in like mm-hmm. the 10 to $15 range. Um, so I'm talking about guys like from like the Hendricks, Boyd, Lynn, like those kind of guys, um, probably would have wanted to hindsight bid up those guys a little bit more and try and get one of those, and instead of having three of like the C plus kind of guys, get a get a B kind of guy. Um, but yeah. That's probably my biggest regret. Um, but we can move on to the MLB MVPs, the reigning champions, who have so much on the line trying to repeat back to back NYFBL titles. Yeah, in the most important season. <laughs> If there's one season to screw up an auction draft, it's this one. Sorry, what was what was your favorite pick? Tell us about your draft. Um, so I actually don't like. I feel like if somebody's just listening to me talk, they would think like I hate my team. I I'm disappointed with how my pitching ended up, but I love my hitting. Like I I think that I have a good claim to the best hitting in the league. Right. Um, you don't. Hate I spent a team. ton of money on it. You don't hate your team. You just hate yourself. I just know how how difficult it is to find diamonds in the rough and to manage. You know, I've managed teams in the past with waiver wire pitching, and it's doable. You could win with it. It's just not the most easy, fun, enjoyable ride all the way through like I had last year and the last time I won before that. So my I didn't really follow my championship strategy, but at the same time, in a shortened season, I would much rather have have studs who are going to play, you know, 55 to 60 games, assuming that they don't get coronavirus, 
um, than pitchers who are going to go anywhere from 10 to 12 starts. And I'm hoping that with these extra corner infield, middle infield, and outfield positions, the fact that I stacked so many elite hitters will end up paying off. And I'm curious to see actually how it happens. Um, but yeah, my my favorite pick going down this, um, I really did like J.D. Martinez at $29. I felt like I got a good deal there. But um, I was... I was pretty happy with how I salvaged my rotation. I got John Gray for, um, I'm never a huge John Gray guy. I got him for six bucks. And I feel like for a guy that has like, you know, decent, like top 50 potential who could get me like 12 a game. That was, that was solid to pay for. I finished my rotation with Anibal Sanchez. You know, I always love me some Anibal Sanchez. Um, and I felt like he could at least provide a decent floor, but I guess I guess I'd probably have to go with JD Martinez. Like out of everybody, I feel like he's he's a guy I can rely on as a sure thing, and I don't think I spent too much for him. Frankie, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that there, you know, I, I like how you filled it out too. I think you know you you were, you know you 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 bid on on the guys that that made sense, and, and at that point, I think and. Um, like somebody, I think there are, there are a few volatile names there where it's like, you know, it, it's definitely at that point, I think, you know, when you got Morton, which was great, which was like really secure, you were able to still, you know, after all said and done, like secure someone who's a, a bonafide, um, ace. Um, and I think it, in a sense, like that, I think the strategy you took with the other pitchers makes sense in terms of, um, you know, you have those guys who could potentially, you know, like like a like a Gray or Mitch Keller, who, who um, I mean, they're they're two different. They're different in a way in terms of you know, obviously the amount of time they put in the league. But like Mitch Keller, you know, came up and like did not fare too well in the big leagues. But is someone who has a lot of hype, and Gray is someone who's been like put it together multiple times and been you know amazing. But as of course that the whole cores. Uh, nature with him, but I think you, you chose guys who, you know, I think can definitely, uh, despite that volatility, they have enough good associated with them too, where it's like, you know, this could work out in that way, and somebody like, um, and then two young guys, I know Puck just got hurt, or I think, right, or, which is unfortunate, um, and, um, but like Puck and Sheffield are like good young people to snag at that point, when a lot of, when a lot of, uh, when it felt like in that moment in the draft, like that was like a lot of what people were going for with the pitching. Um, I mean, I kind of, I think like, yeah, after, after, after I got Charlie Morton, he was my only pitcher. I think I had $73 left. So really I, I needed to just buy guys who I thought could be lottery tickets. And then I mixed in, I guess, John Gray and Annabelle are the two guys who I think have decent floors. Um, Based on who yeah, was it's nice you got Hannibal too, especially for a dollar. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty great. Like, I'm, I'm I know that was that was near the end. Oh my god! I think like even Garrett Richards, like if he could, you know, in Petco, he could potentially have a good year, or he could suck. But at least if they suck, I can drop them and try to find whoever's you know good on waiver wires at that point. Yeah, I, I think you salvaged it really well, and you and you played it smart in terms of just like we've been saying the whole thing of just you know 
stacking up on the hitting in the beginning and then just going, all right, like, let me, let me drop some cash, like, and on, on somebody that I can definitely feel like amazing about like Morgan. And then, um, and then just disperse the rest, like in a way that, you know, makes me feel like at least like I'm rolling the dice, you know, correctly or like, whereas, you know, rolling the dice, you know, uh, I don't know what the expression might be, but just like in, you know, in a way that you can feel kind of good about and not get, and not kick yourself at all, uh, for it. Um, and I think it's a good mix, like we were saying, of, of young guys and and guys that could potentially give you that floor. And again, favorite thing I've been saying, but just in the in the shortened season, like someone like Garrett Richards. So, um, and Annabelle has always been good to you. Uh, looking looking everything over, I think that like one that sticks out as well. I'll say one that sticks out as completely unexpected was I never expected. I know you said it was because of the news blurb. I never thought you'd pick like playing. Wang Hoon Kim yeah. or something because I feel like that's Yusei Kikuchi part two but also that's really fucked up because I think that's just grouping Asian players <laughs> together in my mind but um, but yeah like uh, I'm surprised that, that you took him uh, there uh, and I had no intention uh, to be completely honest until yeah, I yeah. and um, but in terms of like some stuff I really like, obviously besides just like the thing that stick out of just like the hitting, who I think you all like, you know, you paid pretty reason. I think you paid around. Uh, I know Justin will, will fact check with the with the values that he has, but uh, um, I think you paid around like what I had uh, for a lot of these people. Um, I think I'm not sure if Bregman. I think I'm, I'm, that's probably less honestly than what I I probably had for for Bregman. I was really eye on him again this year um but just going later on like i think luke voigt uh sticks out as a really nice pick for three bucks because like on you know on an amazing team of course and i'm just saying that as a as a yankees boy but um you were saving grace honestly because there were really first basemen on the board at that point and i didn't have one so i was really surprised that i was able to get him for three bucks because he's a yankee um but yeah I was happy about that one. Yeah, so that, that's I the think, I think I overpaid on Devers, probably. Um, and that was another one where it was early on, and I wasn't entirely sure what the value was going to be for those type of guys. Um, and I was, like, kind of price-checking. I was in on him, but probably didn't want him for 35 especially when I saw that I would I would have been able to get, I think Justin got Rendon for 36 and I got Arenado for 37 so had I known I was going to get Iron Auto for thirty-seven, I just wouldn't have gotten Devers, you know. Right. Um, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, did you like Iron Auto going into this year? Did you? Did yeah. You, yeah, actually, this about was him? the first year where I thought Iron Auto was undervalued. Right, because you're usually not very high on him. Because yeah. every other year, Iron Auto was considered a top like in the first player. round, like in yeah, like an early to early mid first round pick. Where I feel like in, in past years, his auction value would have been up there with, like, what Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts would have been, you know, this year. Maybe not Mookie. Mookie went for 50. But, like, or Bregman and, and Bellinger around that range. And I feel like this year, I got him for 37, which was significantly less than I thought he was going to end up on. I thought he'd be 40-plus, so. Yeah, out of all of your top hitters, I think Arenado was the best value. Um, in terms of what I think my favorite pick was I don't think it was the best value 
But I think the most important pick that you had by far was Charlie Morton. I think that if that pick doesn't happen, you're in a really bad place with your rotation. He is kind of the oil that makes the rest of the rotation churn. Um, hopefully as expected for you. Uh, you do have some nice upside, but it's really important to get that one anchor at the top of the rotation. And if it wasn't Charlie Morton, it was really Kershaw or nobody. And Kershaw oh, I had to go on Kershaw. That's what I was going to do if I... But it would have sucked to have to pay $38 for playing yeah. Kershaw. Yeah, that yeah. Kershaw ended up getting pretty expensive. If you were in on him too, who knows how high you would have went. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that Charlie Morton was by far your most important pick. Um, in terms of picks that I liked, I know we mentioned it before, but Giancarlo Stan for $11. That's uh, kind of how I view the Manny Machado pick, too, is like outside of injury, and we know that Stan could be injury-prone. The upside there is tremendous. Like Stan could provide you with $40 value on an $11 budget just because he has that type of power. He has that type of playing time. I mean, he homered in the exhibition game during the draft. Um, yeah. So the moment you picked him, which was so crazy, <laughs> you looked right into the camera. <laughs> um, you know, that, that it's it's uh, in a vacuum, like it's it's in a vacuum, like where it's just like Stan and Machado, or like at the end of the day, like all this like you know white noise and everything, and, and possibilities aside, it's like those are pretty nuts. Like those are probably two of the most value picks of the entire draft. Like for guys that are, you know, in that, um, based on how drafts could go in that first, second round kind of territory, like what you know, um, at least uh, at times with with my, uh, in the past with Machado. But uh, so what Justin said earlier with uh, Carlos Correa for eight dollars, which is just as crazy. Yeah, which is why looking at this, I don't really understand why that happened. Like a guy like Stan, I think he just went for that that amount because at that point everyone had like around a hundred dollars and was trying to be conservative yep but i'm still surprised you know because everyone usually goes hard for the yankees so i think a lot yeah, of yankee fans I, hate him i think that's probably yeah, I, yankee I, fans are if, sick of him if i could rewind for for me oh uh, i i think that's one that i'm kicking myself about too the correa one especially considering the point and considering like who I was drafting and every and for shortstop and everything that would have made me feel like a little more secure in that position. And it's just like, that was kind of unprecedented for sure. Just like how, uh, like the value that he went at. Um, also, did you get, uh, what's his name? Kevin Newman, like, <laughs> like for a dollar, like Kevin Newman's like a pretty popular, uh, guy. Um, in general in life. But no, um, <laughs> he, like that one's sick now too, I think. Because um, I, I like him a lot this year. I think he's an interesting uh, person to look out for in terms of value performs. Very important. I want, I want to hear your least favorites. You go, Jess. Uh, mine is Jeff McNeil. I think he, and it is situational based on when he was drafted because the inflation was crazy earlier in the draft. So he was right in line with what everyone else was going for. Uh, in terms of percentage above the value I had. I just think if he was thrown out, you know, call it eight rounds later, he probably would have went for $8 less. So I think that's my least favorite. Um, oh, then, I mean, you brought up the Devers. I have never been a gigantic Devers fan. 
Um, so it's all it's also personal there. But I agree with your point that like, had you have known that you would have gotten Arenado, then you might not have bid that much for Devers. Um, but that's why like it is possible for you to change that. And we do have values on players now, right? That's the other thing. Like we have ways now to compare pitchers to hitters. You can easily look at like, okay, I have a thirty-five dollar Rafael Devers. What if I try to turn him into a $30, $31 pitcher? Is that something I can do for a team that may need a third baseman? So well, I was telling you the other day, I think in our league I could maybe get like Josh Lindblom for him. You know, <laughs> that could be like a good pairing. I think Josh Lindblom went for like $8. That seems pretty fair. I mean, I'll trade you Caleb Smith for Raphael Devers if you want. <laughs> it's $12, man. That's really good value. No, I am I'm, I am waiting, though, for this year when I have a day where my hitters all get four points and it's just like a crazy week for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to shit on the Devers pick because I love Devers because I'm coming off him and being my, my daddy for, for a year. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think that, you know, again, like situational, like the pairing, like it definitely, like, pops out but we were lucky we have that that corner infield slot and that we made you know some adjustments so that um i mean of course you would have found ways to fit them in anyway but um can, can but just, just from a situational a like money i definitely reason. would not have taken this many <laughs> infielders if we didn't add those slots third base third base third base no can, yeah can we I, take a second just think like if we didn't have those slots right there are a lot of third basemen that that had good value this year and were projected for a decent amount of points. Like the 13th third baseman off the board would have went for like $6 because he's really not useful to anyone. Unless you stick him in your utility slot, he yeah, really has no value. So like by adding this middle infield and this corner infield position, we are adding value to additional hitters, right? And that, that was the that, point I mean, of us doing that. That proves our point from the offseason. Right. So suck on those titties. Haters. Frankie was about to rip you apart. And blackout. Yeah, Frankie, you're <laughs> the favorite. Um, Frankie was about to shit on Omar Narvaez. It's paying two dollars for a catcher, you son of a bitch. Um, I think my least favorite is fucking Matt McGill because fuck you for making fun of me having him last year. Um, least favorite? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I could just copy Justin, but it's 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 the situational thing with McNeil too, just based on how people were going yeah. for there. But you're what do you say? You threw him out. That I nominated him. I'm pretty sure you're the one that threw him out. Well, I told you before that I got I'm serious about this. Like I really just like and again this is going to be very transparent for any auction draft in the future and probably not the greatest strategy, but like almost everybody I nominated was somebody that I did not really like want in the moment or in the sense that like I was like, All right, I could I would feel okay paying like, you know, ten bucks for Jeff McNeil or, or fifteen bucks or something. Um, but then he just started going and I was like, All right. Let's let, let, let this guy go crazy. And I did one of my classic Frankie Hoffman, you know, $10 increases. <laughs> and then he was at 15. I said, Lewis, who wants this guy? Let's get him to 24. No. Um, so, no, I don't know. I, I, I really, like, nothing, I mean, it, it's more, it's not like a specific pick. It's just I was really surprised at how uh, 
the pitching went, and I feel like that was just something where I think like like a lot of like a lot of us with certain positions or, or moments throughout the draft, like things got a little bit like uh, away from like our expectations of how things were going to be, and just based on like how things uh, like maybe started off in general, which just like we like we've been saying about how you didn't necessarily expect in any way to get like an an Arenado Endeavors pairing like that for that much money, where it kind of set put you at a bit of a, a setback for, for planning out the rest of your, your draft on the other side of the, the coin with the pitching. So I think that that part just, like, surprised me. So I think that um, I don't know how that translates into a, a least favorite pick. But, um, I mean, I'm just uh, – we'll see, you know, uh, how the – you know, we'll see how it turns out. You know, with with we'll see in terms of like you know if the hitting can really propel you and some guys can really like step it up on on, on the pitching side and like you know and like maybe like you know Sheffield has his like breakout year and like Gray, um, you know, is is putting it together and stuff and isn't volatile. I'm just curious to see how it goes. Like, I really don't have like the least favorite pick per se. Like I just because uh, the McNeil, I can't really like feel weird about because I liked him a lot going into this year and uh, it's a situational thing. So I don't know. I mean, did you say your least favorite pick? Um, yeah, yeah, I said it was Devers, but um, that's because like I wasn't really prepared to, to get Arenado so, for only $2 more. But honestly, right. I, think, yeah. I think like if you want to be super objective in terms of guys who I would rather have not spent any money on and could have gotten a replacement. I think like Adrian Hauser, I did like him a lot, but I spent $3 on him. I probably could have gotten a better pitcher for $3 or like a more exciting late round flyer than Hauser. Like I think maybe you could point at him. Um, the thing to Quang keep in mind. Him is kind of hard because we didn't really know um, whether or not he was going to be the number five starter. But like in hindsight, he's a good one. Um, I was gonna say, yeah. the, the thing to keep in mind at the end of the draft is that you did have the hammer for a very long time. So like, if you wanted to spend 2 to $3 on a guy, that just meant that you were going to get them. So you really had your choice of guys. And spending $3 may not have been the same as like, like okay, we look at Rich Hill. Eric probably could have gotten Rich Hill for a couple of bucks, but he just put his entire budget on $9. So like, some of the prices are inflated based no, on positionally where we but were in the draft. I think... In hindsight, instead of having the ability to drop the hammer on a $3 Adrian Hauser, I should have just taken that $3 and gotten, like, Carlos Martinez, for example, Fair. who I was super high on Fair. coming into the season. Like, in March, I would have had Carlos Martinez in the, the sixth or seventh round. And in just about all the mocks we did, I was trying to get Carlos Martinez. And then, this draft, it kind of looked like, based on what people were saying, that there was a decent shot Martinez was going to be the closer because he had a lot of relief experience. It bugged me out, and I let Eric get him for $4. I would have been prepared to go up to, like, $12, $13, $15 on Carlos Martinez, yeah. but I didn't do it. So, like, that's just an example of, like, you know, instead of the the $3 I spent on Hauser, I could have gotten somebody like him. I could have gone in harder on a guy like Josh James, who I was really excited about. Like, there were other guys. Yeah, I think, I, think, uh, I don't know, like, maybe... I think, yeah, just going off of that, it's like a sense of, like, you know, that kind of, uh, that that ability to get, like, un, unanchored, untethered, I don't know, like, like at that point in, in the draft, I was kind of just kind of, 
What did you say? No, you said, I thought you said unentered. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, like, un, un, unanchored, uh, if that's a word. But, like, just, like, kind of, like, I'm looking, I just filtered it to make it so, like, to see, it's not the best gauge, of course, of everything, but, like, who who was who was still available after someone like Hauser, like, for to, to use your example. Like, Montgomery went right after him. Uh, Stripling. Um, let's see, even people who, like, honestly could feel, you could feel a little safer with, despite the craziness, like Lucchesi, even, you know, like, like, or Marco Gonzalez or somebody. Lucchesi's been getting lit up in the preseason. I did oh, not. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, and a guy like Savali, for example, who I really liked, and I don't know why everybody had to bid on him <laughs> just because I liked him, but he went for $6. I could have, I guess, spent $9. It would have hurt to spend $9 on freaking Aaron Savali. Right. What was Justin's expression? You had the hammer at that point. Like, you, oh, yeah. you, you, yeah, I could have. I could have. Um, you could have gone to Mike Leake after that. You know, Mike Leake doesn't, doesn't, is not playing at all in the 2020 season. Still, I, I don't the, know why Savali went for $6. I don't know why Savali went for $6. That was when, that was the moment of the draft where I couldn't tell if Nick was trolling or if he had just become like a performance artist or something. Like, like where it's just like, it just blew, it, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I so will say though, as I was like looking back on this now, I do now remember there were guys. So what I had done after Morton, when I realized I wasn't going to get a lot of you know top tier pitchers, I went and I just queued up all the exciting guys I wanted, and I was like, just you know, fill your rotation with some combination of these guys. And there were a lot of guys on there. Some guys I liked more than others. But as I was going down towards the end, there were two that I threw out in a row. That Wells went in on with me, and Wells had like seven billion dollars, and it just kind of sucked that it was like, oh fuck! Like I threw out Jay Happ, who I was excited about having a rebound year, and then I threw out Alex Dubois, who I thought was like interesting, you know, change of scenery. He's gonna get to pitch. He's healthy. Four bucks to the sluggers. And both of them, he went in on, and I was just like, well, fuck me, right? So I just kind of like ducked out because he had so much money. But in another universe, maybe I have those guys instead of Adrian Hauser and Quang Young Kim, and I'm sitting here feeling a little bit better. And you could have gotten Nick's uh, super secret C for Johnny Cueto. So one guy. I mean, I, I looked at him and I was just like, no, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Any uh, closing thoughts from you guys? I think this was a pretty good podcast. Hopefully, we get to do it more. We get to get some more people's reactions to the draft as the season goes on yeah this was fun I, I would be really curious to hear what other people think about value and and who stood out to them as like you know interesting so if other people do want to do podcasts i'd be willing if they want to do one on their own i totally encourage them to i know daniel texted me and told me good news i hate your team so <laughs> that is the blessing it's a blessing yeah but i would be really curious to know who he um who he thought was, you know, overvalued, undervalued, etc. But yeah, this was uh, a lot. Yeah, I was talking to Hogbro too a little earlier today. Like, I feel like he uh, like he probably has a lot to say. I'm sure, and we should get him on. Uh, and uh, he definitely had one of the more like standout strategies, just in terms of like you know taking a like a, an approach that at certain points where the budgets were varying wildly, like he he stood out, and obviously <laughs> Wells. It too was at like a hundred dollars at the end of the draft, um, and but yeah, let's let's get more people on. Um, and my my only closing thought is, uh, if I win, 
that it definitely counts this year. And that I joined the fathers and um, yeah. And I, I just appreciate you guys recognizing that. And I'm really excited to uh, to join the, the Hall of Fame, the Slack channel, the private one where you guys talk and say all kinds of really interesting things in private to each other all the time. Just really excited for that. Thanks, guys. It's just pictures of Jeff and his baby face swapped. <laughs> that's all that's I'll in the You know, just, just, being, just being in there, you know, just being able to see that, just knowing that I'm one of the few people who can see that, that's enough. Well, you know? if you win next year, then, you know, maybe... Maybe it'll come. But the only way it counts this year, me and Justin have already kind of decided, um, the only way that a win is if you guys win this year is if one of the people who already have won wins, you know, because then it's clearly a skill-based win. They've done it already. They've got the experience. They had the knowledge, you know. If anyone else wins, it was just random bullshit, you know, just like they've never won before. They won the short. Not even people who came really close? No, it doesn't matter. If you didn't take the ship home, no, I, I have to give Frankie credit. He had such a good week in that finals versus me. So, like, all right, <laughs> full disclosure, Lewis has beat me in the finals twice uh, for his past two wins, and he destroyed me. My team put up caca doo points, but he had really, really good weeks. When I beat Frankie, I had an amazing week, but so did Frankie. Frankie got robbed of that final. Yeah, I mean, Frankie had a better team that season. I remember that. That the one where we were at the game in the beginning of our yeah. matchup? And we were at the the weird the weird ass. It was it was the weird was game. The, was, that the, was that the weird Yankees game that was at City Field? Exactly, Yankees Rays at City Field. And it started off, and I made like a perfect call where I think I sat like freaking Sean <laughs> Manaya and played Erod or something like that, and it just was like he got like wrecked. Manaya Erod was good, and then like Garrett Richards came through for me or something. It was like it was nuts. It was. Everything was working out. Justin was conceding in his classic little, like, oh, congratulations fashion while he was going back home and lighting incense and cutting a goat in half or something. So. I think Mookie Betts hit for the cycle that night for you. <laughs> yeah, it was, I it was swear just, to God, I think he either hit for the cycle or had, like, three home runs. Yeah, Verlander went in, I think. It was one of the, And that was the season where, where Verlander, like, became the person that he is now, like, the second, like, 2.0. Like that was yeah. the where he wasn't that good for most of the season, and and then the end he he turned it on. But, but I reminisce about. I mean, look, you and Eric yeah. have both gotten close, but neither of you were champions up until Eric actually won. Um, we could, we could debate that, but to be honest, that was the point where I wasn't conscious yet about <laughs> anything going on in the league. So uh, I don't remember the heartbreak of of seeing a tie turn from a technicality into a into a victory. But I digress. One of these days, I'm going to buy myself a Cliff Pennington jersey. <laughs> See, like, I don't even know who that is. So. <laughs> well, Mike doesn't either, but he'd probably bid on him. <laughs> Tom, Tommy Pennington. Well, I think that brings us full circle. So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, hopefully we can do some, some more of these. So hit me up if you want to jump on a podcast. We can get a couple of guys together and go through your draft. So until next time, this is Three Guys, One Couch. Lewis, sing the theme song. What were we saying before it's <laughs> We go together. <laughs> 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 <laughs>